We are sponsored by Raise Energy, powered by the enhanced refresh technology. Raise Energy delivers with a performance-enhancing energy drink that aids in the most often overlooked categories. Raise Energy targets focus, enhances your recovery time, improves clean energy levels, and boosts your stamina and hydration. Most importantly, each single can of Raise Energy has absolutely zero calories, zero sugar, and zero carbohydrates, which that gives you a smarter and more healthier option. You should not have to settle for an energy drink that contains more sugar and carbs than you can count. Opt for the number one fan-voted energy drink on the market today with Raise Energy. If you want to get yourself a can of Raise Energy, go to repsports.com, R-E-P-P, sports.com. Use my promo code HPP1000, HPP1000 at checkout, and you will receive a generous discount. Welcome to the HodgePodge Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Dylan Hodge, but you guys already know that. I'm on Instagram, and I am on Twitter at I am Mr. Dylan Hodge. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at the HodgePodge Podcast. Whatever podcast network you're listening on, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, those type of things, just send a five-star review and a feedback, if you would, that helps us grow on all the podcast platforms here and helps us grow into a more mature and not immature podcast like we are right now. Um... It's allergy season, so this week is kicking my butt. I'm constantly clearing my throat, and I'm constantly taking this allergy medicine. I'm constantly sniffling. So the reason for that is down here in Mississippi, the pollen count is so high. It has been so high this 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 year, and I wonder if it's because sometimes it'll get cold, and then all of a sudden it'll just go up to 90 degrees and then go right back down to 40. And I wonder if that's what causes the pollen to raise so much, but... I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a meteorologist. I'm not a news weather guy. So I don't know. All right. So what we're gonna do? I want to talk about what's coming in the next couple of weeks. So the since the simulcasts are put on hold for the for the time being, we're not done with them. We're just uh, we're just not in the right space right now to do them. Uh, too too busy. Our schedules are aren't even lining up. So. Um, Wednesday, this Wednesday is going to be a new, um, I don't know if I should call it series, but it's going to be a new thing that I'm going to do when we don't have a simulcast. And so now there's still going to be episodes Mondays and Wednesdays sometimes. Now there, I may not do them all the time because there's so much production going into this new thing, this new project that I'm doing. So... This is going up Wednesday. I'll go ahead and give it away. What I'm doing is I'm taking certain albums or certain artists. So this Wednesday it's going to be which Guns N' Roses album is the best album. 
Now, this is according to me. This is not according to... Now, I'm going to get into the specifics. I'm going to get into the background of Guns N' Roses. But it's not going to be a a quick five-minute thing. Now, I don't know how long the first episode is going to be because I'm recording this part right here that we're talking right now on a Saturday. And so I'm going to record the Guns N' Roses episode actually when we when I finish doing this introduction. So here we're going to have... Um, so what's going to be is I'm taking all of the Guns N' Roses albums besides the Chinese Democracy. I'm, I'm going the regular albums with the original band members in them. And I'm taking them and I'm listening to them in depth. And I'm doing some research. I read Slash's book. I'm, I'm reading Duff McKagan right now. And so I'm almost finished with that. And so... And I'm listening to podcasts and I'm doing watching biographies and all this stuff on Guns N' Roses to 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 kind of figure out which way I'm going to go. And so this Wednesday, it's going to be that. It's going to be a what Guns N' Roses album is the best album based on based on my perception of it and the media's perception of it. So. Obviously, the first one's going to be Appetite for Destruction. Then it's going to go into Use Your Illusions 1 and 2. And then it's going to hit on Guns N' Roses Lies right there in the middle of the um, the debut album and Use Your Illusion. And so what that's going to do, it's going to give more content. It's going to give you guys a better understanding of, of how I work and what I can do. Because I just come on here and I do podcasts or I'll come on here and I'll just read an article about you know the top 10 worst musicians or something like that. But I wanted to take it a different realm, and I wanted to do something totally different. Totally, I think it's cool. I think it's pretty awesome um, how it's going to turn out. I think so. That's how that's going to work here. Also, what's going to happen? That is, I'm doing a classic, like a clash of classic albums. So I'm going to take two different classic albums. Um, they're going to be in the same genre. So I'm not going to do. You know, Eric Clapton and Willie Nelson. I'm not going to do that because you, you can't compare the classic albums together because it's not the same genre. So I'll do like uh, I'll do like a Hank Williams Jr. And then maybe like a Merle Haggard. I, I'm something, something along those lines like that. Um, now, that is not according to classics of me. It's, it's according to the classics of different news articles, different magazine articles, different um, rating systems on you can find on the internet stuff like that and there's also going to, I'm, I'm also working on the greatest debut albums of all time from any genre and that's going to go up here pretty shortly because i had to make a list and it's going from country it's doing rock and it's doing rap and it's doing pop and it's accumulating all these all these albums together, and we're trying to put them out there. Um, I am honestly. I'm doing this by myself. There's not a producer here. There's not. I'm in my studio, my bedroom, a microphone, a laptop, a notebook, my phone sitting to my left, two pair of headphones just in case something goes haywire, a mouse, and a keyboard. There's nobody here. There is me. It's me alone. So don't think that when I say we, I'm meaning that as me, the podcast, you guys, the listeners, and the production company in itself, which I'm running every bit of it. So 
Yeah, so, yeah, look for Wednesday's episode of which Guns N' Roses album is the best album. I'm not sure what exactly I'm going to title it, but that's that's the con- that's the concept, is what Guns N' Roses album is the best. And so, that's how that's going to go. That is kind of some new... Kind of some new things that I think is going to be really good because I actually have a script for this. I've been writing, um, as I was listening to the albums, I was writing in notes on my phone. And I think I think it's going to turn out good. I really do. I really do like how I have it punctuated and how it's all going to record. And so, we'll see. Yeah, Wednesday, check a new episode. Now, without further ado, I am done yapping. I'm done talking. Let's go right now to the introduction for today's guest on the podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Keith Anderson, and you're listening to my buddy, Dylan Hodge, on the HodgePodge podcast. Come on. On the podcast today, we've got Casey James. He's talking his run in American Idol and the immature life and mindset he had there and how that all changed when he was eliminated in the top finalist of American Idol. He's also talking about the terrible story of him breaking his femur and, and that healing up and acting in the crying on a suitcase music video and if he would ever do acting again in a music video. He's breaking down his 10 best songs as I give him Nashville Noises 10 best songs and he compares what he thinks his 10 best songs are with those. He's also talking his two major airplay hits which are crying on a suitcase and let's don't call it a night all that and more right here right now on the podcast and let's give it up for the great and powerful casey james you would think i would know by now there we go thanks what's going on casey you doing okay man man i'm dealing with some uh allergies but otherwise oh, life is beautiful man these allergies nowadays are killer, aren't they? Man, I've never dealt with it before, and uh, really, yeah. Apparently, you can you can get them, you know, later in life. And so, I'm uh, <clears throat> kind of figuring that out as we speak. I'm taking all kinds of different, trying to just take different things and figure out what I can do to make myself uh, well. Where are you? You're in Nashville. But so far, I haven't figured it out. You're in Nashville, right? I am. So I, I, I'm i in Mississippi. So the humidity is not that much different between here and Tennessee. And so it's it's like crazy. And I remember a couple of weeks ago, it was like down to the 30s. And then two days later, it was like 85. And I'm like, I am dying over here. Like I got a sinus infection because of it. And I'm just like, holy crap. It's crazy. Mm-hmm been doing the same thing here man like yesterday it was freezing not freezing it was just it was chilly yeah and uh today it's beautiful and then you, yep. you know who knows what it'll be tomorrow which hasn't been helping as you can tell i've been blowing my nose all day I'm so <laughs> sick of it so how do you uh, you said you said that you've never had allergies or sinus problems so it just it just just started happening and you said it can get it later in life I guess so. Yeah. I mean, uh, what, what really happened was I, um, I got really sick a couple of months ago and went through uh, like a round of antibiotics and, and, um, 
just kind of never got well. I don't, so I don't know if it's allergies that I'm dealing with. It's just kind of a weird deal, but it's been, man, it's been hammering my sinuses and my throat and especially my voice. So it's been, it's been super tough. It's like trying to figure out uh, how to sing through it has not been the easiest. So like, are you taking like hot tea at night in the morning, anything like that to, to try to help the throat? <clears throat> Yeah, something that I've always done when I get a little bit uh, like issues like that, I just do like a sinus rinse, one of those little bottles that you yeah. squeeze, you know, and um, those work and help a lot, but, you know, there's only so much you can do. I, I tend to do a lot of homeopathic stuff before I start taking anything pharmaceutical, but but I've been struggling so badly that I jumped on some stuff called Zyrtec, but I'm having to take like way more of it than i'm supposed to and it dries you out so it's kind of you, you just gotta like i'm it's exactly it's exactly what i'm taking i'm taking zero tech right now that crap doesn't work i don't care what the doctors say that crap does <laughs> not work i'm having to double dose it triple dose it it doesn't work like yeah. they say it does no way no way it no, does. i literally had to call my brother he's a nurse and i said man is it okay for me to take like literally four times the recommended amount he goes hang on i'll make I'll, I'll sure but i think you can i do it all the time you see we talked to a doctor and the doctor was like yeah sure you know go for it but it does dry you it dries me out like crazy so it's like this it you know you, you get rid of some of the snot but then your vocal cords get dry so it's like you know what's less what's harder on your system trying to sing through the the, the crap that's in your you know head or dealing with dry vocal you know, I was sure I was talking to Keith Anderson a couple weeks ago about the same thing, because I had just learned at the time that when like singers are on stage or they prefer room temperature because coldness damages the vocal cords. That was mind boggling to me. I did not know that. And it was yeah, it was it's crazy to think. Obviously, you know, when you're sick and you're hoarse, you can't sing, but. You know, if you're chewing like ice water and you're drinking that, that's going to damage it more. That's it very, very interesting to me. Yeah, there's, I mean, and some people get, some people's vocal cords are a little bit more um, <clears throat> susceptible to yeah. throwing them off. You know, some people I know, like they smoke cigarettes and drink beer and coffee and then go on stage and sing like angels, you know, but. And then some people are in this, you know, in the backstage, like warming up their vocals for two hours before they go on. They've got like a hot compress here mm. and they're drinking hot tea, you know, so it's to each their own. Everybody's got a different thing. I, I tend to not really do much uh, when I'm well, but, you know, when you're not well, you have to do, you have to do a lot more to, to get through it because, it's not like you can go on stage and say, hey, everybody, uh, I'm not feeling too great today, so you're going to get a second-rate show. <laughs> you just got to work through it and find a way. Well, I, I saw an A-list artist say just that. They were like, look, I'm under the weather. I'm not feeling well, so the show is not going to be as great today. And I'm just like, that's probably not a good ticket seller. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad they were honest I'm instead just, of yeah. because I'm glad they're honest because you could have been like, that guy was terrible, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I go back and forth on that, but I just don't feel like it's a professional thing to do because at the end of the day, people are there 
that may never see you again, that may have never seen you before. So you have one, you have one shot. I look at it as like, I'm like a waiter. You know what I'm saying? Like if I show up at a restaurant, mm. I just want my waiter to do their job. That's it. I'm there. They're there. Let's get this done. I'm going to give you some money. You bring me the food. Don't tell me if you're having a bad day because this is the only, you know, like it, it's in the same, in the same sense, I guess at a certain level that becomes not true. So I, I guess it's just situational, but I tend to not do that. I, I don't like going up on stage and saying, Hey everybody, I'm dealing with this, that, or the other. It's kind of just like, look, let's, I'm going to always give 110%, whether that means, you know, if I'm not well or if I'm feeling great, you know, so it is what it is. You kind of got to play the cards you're dealt and, and leave knowing that you left it all on the table. <clears throat> and that's just a good, that goes, it applies no matter what you're doing at any time. You mentioned waiters, you know, they, they, they have a bad rap for, just because they get the crappy end of the deal all the time. Like, you know, like, <clears throat> like you mentioned, you want your waiter to do your job. And it's, I was at the, <clears throat> I was at a restaurant a couple of weeks ago, I would say. And this waiter just kept getting crap from this person because the food didn't come out right. The food. And I'm just like, you can't blame the waiter or the waitress because your steak came out medium and not medium. Well, right. that's the cook's fault. And you know, it's just, yep. People don't deserve to be treated that way. I'm just like, if you wanted a certain way, you're going to treat me like that. Go, go get a steak from a store, go to Walmart, get a steak, cook it yourself and blame yourself if it's cooked wrong. You know, that's true, man. That's uh, I really don't eat out a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, we, me and my family, we, we tend to cook at, at the house more often than not. If I'm on the road, obviously you just deal with it. But, but, um, Kind of for that reason, man. I mean, I, and number one, my, my wife's a great cook. And number two, I uh, I just like home-cooked food yeah. as opposed to eating, you know, at a restaurant somewhere. And you never know what you're going to get. And the last thing that I want to do is spend my money and be unhappy about it. So we tend to eat uh, here at the house most of the time. And <clears throat> but I, yeah, there's really nothing worse than going out, spending hard, hard-earned money, and not being happy about, you know, whatever the food or, yeah. or the service. So especially there were a few times in the last, I don't know, let's say 18 months that we went out somewhere and it was just a disaster. You know, you could just tell people didn't either, they were unhappy, they didn't want to be there or the restaurant was suffering due to, you know, shortages of things they normally get or wh whatever the reason, but it was just a complete... <laughs> It's just, you know, bad experiences. And my family was like, that's it. We're just going to, going to spend our money on food. It's so much cheaper to eat yeah. at the house. That's, that's one of the biggest issues. It's like, for me, I'm, I'm very tight with money as a musician, my whole life. It's like, you never know when your next paycheck is. So you just take it, you put it away and you do your best to be smart with your money. So that's the way we roll. So are you more of a cook, Casey, or is it your wife? I was before I got married, but my wife's such a phenomenal cook that I don't, I, mean, I barely cook anymore. I mean, I might do, I might do breakfast or simple things or steaks. I do the grill mostly. Yeah. Um, but she does almost all the, you know, the sides and, but we eat pretty simple foods. I mean, we, we do vegetables. I usually do things with like salt, pepper, garlic, <clears throat> you know, not extensive 
very fresh, easy meals most of the time, like a protein and a vegetable. Is there, is there a meal? Because I, I, I want to go, <clears throat> we'll go back in a few minutes, but I just want to, when you were in the musicianship, I don't really know much about you because I do research, but I want to learn on here as well. Yeah. Before you made it to American Idol, were you in town trying to be an artist or was, you know, you went straight from your house to American Idol? Because that's just. No, I was, I was actually, that's a great question. Um, and I used to have, I'll, I'll, I'll actually go into that a little bit further. Okay. So I was a, like a local musician for about 10 years before, um, before I went on to, hold on a second, I'm going to move this up. I think I can do that. Um, let's see. Mm, oh, that's better, I guess. I'm trying to get you up closer to my camera so I don't look like I'm staring off into space instead of actually talking to you. Um, <laughs> the uh, I was a local musician in like the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas okay. for about... 10 years, I would say, real 10 actual years of really working there before I went on to Idol. And when I went on to Idol, I had a really kind of an immature mindset in regards to it. I, I, it was probably a jealousy thing, maybe. You know, I, I was out there busting my butt every night, working four or five hour shows at least daily. And then a lot of days I'd be working to them. Not like it was, I was in the fields, you know, uh, digging a ditch or something or, you know, doing manual labor, but it was work, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a job. You're putting in the time, you're booking the shows, you're loading in, loading out, all that good stuff, which I loved every part of it. So I'm not complaining again, but when you do that and you're doing it kind of in the hopes of furthering your musical career, and then you see somebody who was, working at Walmart or, you know, doing a job, whatever it may be. And they go on a TV show for, <clears throat> in my head, because I've never seen the show, I'm thinking like a day. And then they're famous and they're doing what they love to do. I had an issue with that. And the real truth of the matter is I didn't understand at the time. It's like, number one, if you get an opportunity, you use it and good for you. Like, some people get them and some people don't, and there's no rhyme or reason. So who am I to decide what's right and wrong for other people, you know? And after going through it myself, I, re I recognized like immediately, wait a second, this isn't easy, number one. Yeah. And number two, there are, you know, there's always two sides to every story. It's like there's a positive and a negative to most things. And the positives are so easy to see and everybody goes, oh, wow, that, must have been great for you and that's all true but there's also a negative side to it and the people that have gone through it deal with that and so I kind of changed my tune and I recognized the fact it's like look if you get an opportunity you go through it and don't let anybody tell you anything other than hey good for you because uh, it doesn't matter how you get there in terms of whether it's working <clears throat> every day for 10 years and or going on to a TV show. Now I look at those things as opportunity for people exactly like myself that have been putting time in or not. It doesn't matter. Just it's opportunity. It's, it's a way for people now to be seen and 
you know, the world has changed. It's not like it used to be in 1975 where the way of, you know, to, to be successful musically was to tour and to gather, you know, music fans to you and establish yourself regionally. I mean, all of that stuff has gone out the window due to the internet. And I can sit here and complain and <clears throat> rant and rave about the negativity, uh, the negatives surrounding that, or I can get on board and, you know, do my best to live in the world as it stands and accept it. And I think that's what I have come to terms with. It's like, look, now the internet and TV they probably hold more power musically than the real world does. Because I mean, I can go out and tour and I've done it. I mean, I've toured every single day of the year, right? Doing exactly what I did on TV and it got me nowhere. And one day on TV yeah. can get you, you know, so it's just, you just have to, I have to, and everybody really, if you want to, if you want to be happy and well adjusted and you want to make the most of where you're at and what you're doing, you have to kind of accept the reality of where you're at and what you're doing. So that's the reality. And so now for me, it's like, if I see somebody doing that, I'm, I'm saying good for you, go for it, rock and roll, make the most of it. I hope you do well, you know, and I've even sat down and talked to people that were going into these shows and, and helped them and kind of set their expectations, right. For what it was going to be and pitfalls they may encounter and the difficulties and stuff like that. So, I'm all about it now. No, it, it's crazy because, you know, I'm a big music nerd. And so I'll, I'll go back and I'll, you know, like rock rock and roll back when rock and roll was this big thing in the seventies and eighties, you know, you could record an album and not have a hit off the have a hit off the album. And they're going to be like, you're going to put out six more albums. Who cares? But today right. you're not even going to put out an album without a single being successful. And it's like, <laughs> But these people are constantly on YouTube. Like you said, it holds more power than the real world because like Sean Mendez, he was found on YouTube. People were flipping around through YouTube, said, hey, this guy's got a good voice and look at him now. The biggest, one of the biggest pop stars in the world. And it's just, it's crazy because I mean, obviously I'm not as old as you, like I'm 23. So like I haven't lived through that life of, you know, back when you go to the store and you're going to pick up a record or a, or a cassette tape you know, it was CDs back when I was growing up, but you know, it's, it's crazy. Even 23 years seeing from 98 to now, how crazy it's all, you know, hydroplaned. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a completely different landscape on every level. And uh, you know, as a band, like I've got a new band called Texas Hill and you don't have, you're not, you're not restricted to playing, playing by the rules necessarily like even though I understand the way of things you can do it a different way like for example you were discussing the, the singles thing and I'm in a position and this band that I'm in is in a position because both of the other guys were also like they were working touring musicians for years and years and then went on a tv show and they were both on the voice strangely enough different years okay but um we are in a position, thank, thank God, that because we have a few people that know who we are, we're able to fill seats and tour. And because we're able to do that, we're able to fund our own record making processes. And so we're kind of just making the music that we want to make. We're not even 
currently pursuing, you know, radio promo. And really there's an entire process that, that most music that people consume on a commercial basis like if you're just an average p1 meaning you're just a person in the world that listens to music um the way that you hear music there's a very set way that that gets to you generally speaking especially if you're listening to the radio right um if you go to streaming sites or if you're really searching out or looking at youtube and things like that then you're gonna see uh you're going to get a lot more variety and you're going to get a lot more, uh, I would just say you're going to get a lot of different approaches as opposed to the same approach. Whereas radio, generally speaking, is very tied to singles and we're going to throw it out there. We're going to get out there. And there's nothing, again, it's not a judgment. There's nothing wrong with that specifically because it can work, but it tends to push people in certain directions and with, with my current band, we're just letting the music lead and we're doing it kind of a, a very different way, which is which is to say anyone can do it any way you want. Like you don't have to play by the rules. Like you can just make music on a record and release it. But if you do that, then you have to understand that if you're not playing by the, the normal, you know, whatever town it is, Nashville rules or LA rules or New York or Atlanta or wherever the, the hub that you're in, then you're gonna be it's 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 a, it's a it's a whole different road, you know. Like, if you come to Nashville, you get a publishing deal, and then you get a a label. You know, it's like a they call it like a. There's a term for when you're on a on a label. They it's like a can't think of it. I haven't had enough coffee today, but the point is, like a trial basis, you know. And they're gonna throw a single out, and most of the time, if the single doesn't hit, you're gone, mm-hmm. you know. And so there's. And then if it does, then they'll put some more money in. And even that dynamic is changing. So there's kind of like set ways of doing it, which I never understood or knew about because I'm from Texas. And I mean, I always just kind of thought, you know, you build a build a following, people like you and you get bigger. And that's the way that it goes. But that's the, you know, that's not necessarily true. And you can do it a million different ways, but whatever way you do it, you got to be committed to it. Let's put it that way. Your journey right now kind of reminds me of kind of like Willie Nelson in a way. And I'll explain when Willie Nelson first moved to Nashville, he had a little bit of success. You moved to Nashville, you have a little bit of success, probably a little bit more than Willie Nelson at the time because you were on Idol and, you know, you put out an album and had a couple of good, good selling singles. But then, you know, Willie Nelson, the story, he, he got fed up. So he went back to Texas and grew this following didn't care about anything else. And then boom, he's back in Nashville. It's one of the greatest of all time. And that's kind of what you're doing in a way is you had some success, but you're going to go back and you're not going to worry about what I'm going to put out, what people want me to put out. I'm going to do it. You're going to grow a following from there. And I'm pretty sure your plan is to come back and be the big, one of the biggest ones, you you know, it's just kind of has that same, same. Well, I think the thing that you're hitting on there is that you, you have to be true to yourself, you know what I mean? And sometimes, and this is just, I think it happens uh, a lot of different ways, but for me, it was a maturity thing and an experience thing is it's a tough line to walk when somebody hands you an opportunity, you want to make the most of it and you don't want to 
uh, you don't want to be disrespectful at that moment. Like, in other words, not everybody gets the opportunities that I've been handed and I've worked hard for them, but at the same time, there's just, you want to call it luck or blessings. Uh, I, I, it doesn't matter to me at the end of the day, what, what anyone puts a label on it, but it's not everybody has the same opportunities is what it boils down to. So I want to be respectful of any opportunity I'm given. With that being said, you know, I was at a major label. I had a lot of, there were a lot of phenomenal people working there at the time. And, uh, and in some that that were maybe not and uh but at the end of the day it comes down to like following your heart and doing what it is that you know that you were made to do is what i'm getting at and i kind of found myself in a position where that wasn't really the case and that's because when you've got a lot of people you know chiming in on what you should do or shouldn't do or you know you write a hundred songs and at the end of the day you're going to release one and that decision isn't you you know and so um there are ways to navigate it where you can you know keep control and make sure that you know where you're going and what you're doing but at the time for me i just didn't have that experience that maturity uh or that understanding on any level and it just took me time to kind of if you will find myself again, because you go through something pretty crazy and everything changes around you. You don't change, but everything changes around you. So it takes you a second to, to understand that new dynamic of where you're at, who you are in that place, because it, it does affect, you know, how you have to act and and understand, like, like I said, just the perception of who you are and where you're at at that moment. Um, once I got my head wrapped around that and I got back to being kind of in control of, of who I am, and where I was going, what I was doing, that's when really the best music that I've ever made in my life really has, has started happening. And I'm still to this day extremely proud of all the music that I've made from before Sony, during Sony and after Sony. And I love it. And they each mark a time in my life as they should. It's just like a picture. It's never going to be if it's a candid, then it's never going to be perfect, most likely. And you may have those spots where it is perfect. And they're certainly, it's the exact same with my music. They're, you know, those are snapshots of my life, where I was at at that time. Some of it's going to be perfect. Some of it's not going to be, but it's beautiful as it stands. And, uh, and now for me, it's just about pursuing what I know that I'm here to do, being honest with it, enjoying it, taking the ups and the downs, being blessed in the fact that I have food on my table and a roof over my head and I'm playing music for a living. I'm experiencing it with wonderful people around me. I've, I've built a new team, especially with the new band that is just absolute music lovers from top to bottom, uh, passionate people that, that are actually, they want to be involved in something they believe in and they want to see, you know, succeed, not just because of a paycheck, not just because it's, sat on their desk, but because they sought us out and want to be a part of it. And that's a place that I've, I've truly, I've never had all those pieces at the same time. Like I've had a great band. I've had great, you know, people working around me at times, um, great music. I've never had all those things at the same time. So right now for me is kind of, even though I'm not touring nearly as much as I want to be, um, it's the height of my 
my creativity, my musical happiness, because really I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I'm just not doing as much of it because of the, you know, the way of the world, but that's just, it just is what it is at this point. And that will hopefully change before too long. Do all interview requests come through you, Casey? Or is it just like, you know, your management or whoever, they're just like, you know what? Yes, it's good fit. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, we, uh, we take, well, I've got five or six different avenues where things like, you know, interviews and podcasts come through and, and I don't, I mean, I definitely don't take them all, but I try to do as much as possible with, with whoever I can, just because as far as I'm concerned, if somebody wants to speak with me, I, I, I look at, at that as an honor. I mean, so, somebody taking time out of their day to, to discuss life or whatever with me on any level, I find, uh, I take that as an honor and I do my best to respect it and, and appreciate it and say, of course, because it, the way that I've always looked at it is you will hope that if you're doing the right thing and you're putting the right thing out there and you're and you're being respectful and kind, that one thing will lead to another always, you know, that that uh, that anything that you do is going to lead to something else good, and you just continue to follow that path and that road. And the real truth is, like, if you look at it, even if you had one show, if you had one gig on the books, and you do that gig, and that gig gets you another gig. And that gig gets right. you another gig. <clears throat> right. And you're set for the rest of your life, as long as you're doing your job, you know what I mean? And obviously there's, there's more to it than that, but my point yeah, yeah. remains is like, I just try to take every opportunity. So um, most of the time I just say yes to almost everything. You know? When you do these interviews, what's the one question you know you're going to get asked? No matter the topic of the interview or the topic of, they're just like, you know you're going to sit down in that chair you're sitting at and you know you're going to answer this question or talk about this certain subject. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't would definitely yeah. be one. I know that, you know, that somebody knows anything about me at all, because even if you don't, you're going to Google and it's going to immediately pop up and say, and because that was a, that's a pivotal, huge thing. That's pivotal a huge point. Show. It's a very pivotal point and it's very meaningful and it's very important in my, in my path through life because I wouldn't be sitting here. I wouldn't be in this town. I wouldn't be here with you. I wouldn't have my family if it weren't for all. I wouldn't have any of those things because just like any decision, you know, you're going this way and you take this turn and now your path is this way. So any little decision can change the rest of your life, but idol was a huge thing. And so it definitely, definitely is something that people are always going to talk to me about. And it's funny because I feel like people there's this stigma. I don't know if maybe early on there were, there were different uh, artists that got upset at folks for asking them questions about it. Okay. Um, but I've always got the sense that there are people that they're so apologetic about it. Like, man, I'm so sorry, but I do. I just want to ask a couple questions. And I'm like, look, it's crazy for somebody to say that to me because I'm like, for most everyone that's ever been on the show, they wouldn't even be doing an interview. Right, right. Work for Idol. So for somebody to, to have to tiptoe around or walk on eggshells regarding like talking about it, to me has always been a bit crazy. It's like, look, sure. If you get asked the same question, yes, it can be, it can be boring, but you have to, I mean, as an artist, you have to understand that again, it's like being a waiter or a waitress. Like, 
you're going to be there. And for you, this is the first time you've ever talked to me. Right. So sure. Yeah. Like I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be upset about the fact that I have to repeat myself. It's like, you get angry at somebody when they say, you know, how's the weather? It's like, I've been asked that before. (laughs) So the way that I look at it is like, you know, each moment that I spend with any individual is, is a solo one-off moment. And if I, if I approach it that way, to me, it never gets old discussing things because you're going to have different things to say about what I say than the last person that I talked to. And that to me is the dynamic of actually having a conversation with people and caring about what they say and how they say it and going where those paths lead, Mm -hmm. which is why I actually like talking to people. Um, If somebody's doing canned stuff where it's just kind of, you know, they're just asking questions, then those aren't as as fun unless the questions are interesting. Um, But I always enjoy actually having a conversation with people no matter what the topic is. Well, look, I was never, I was not going to talk about Idol at all because I knew you probably got asked that all the time. And your fans, if they listen to stuff with Casey James, they've heard it. They've researched it how many times? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's the, point right. of the, that's the point of what I do here. I just try to get in between the lines without hitting the things that probably everybody's been asked and heard. Right. So what's one question or one topic that you know you will never get, but you're just dying to talk about with the person? Oh man, I, I I think, you know, through the years, I don't think there's ever been a time where I I specifically wanted to discuss something that hasn't been discussed. Um, Cause I, I mean, conversations have led all, all literally everything across the board from good, bad and everything in between. Um, So I don't think there's ever anything that I'm specifically wanting to talk about. There have been times, strangely enough, where I go through an interview or, 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 talking with somebody in any shape, form, or fashion. And, and it's about, you know, music, but we don't discuss anything about the, the music. And so there are times where I go, well, I would have liked to talk, you know, about a little bit about, yeah, about the record or whatever at the time, you know. You know, I fall guilty to that sometimes. Like I just have like a musician on and we just chill and shoot the bull. And then I'm just like, well, <laughs> we should have talked about this. <laughs> but I mean, it happens. Right. And it's what's the worst? You're going to ask them to come back on. They're going to say no. What's the worst they're going to say? You know what I mean? It's exactly. Exactly. So I want to talk real quick. Would you mind if I talk about um, some of your songs uh, when you were signed to the yeah. All right, cool. So I want to, um, well, all right. I want to talk about this one. Uh, Let's don't call it a night. Here's a little bit of that. Baby, let's don't call it a night. Love the way you're holding me tight. When you're next to me, there's no place I'd rather be. Everything is feeling so right So baby, let's don't call it a night You know what's crazy about that, Casey, is, you know, this was never going to be part of, you know, when I, because I, first I booked um, one of my favorites when I was growing up was Jeff Bates. And I remember when I booked Jeff Bates, how crazy that was to me. And then the next one was Keith Anderson and they just kept coming. And I was like, 
And then Casey James, you came on, man, and and it was just these are my people childhood growing up listening to music headed to school or things like that. And so it's kind of crazy to to hear that now because I hadn't thought of let's be honest, I hadn't thought of you and forever. You know what I mean? Like, and it was I was on TikTok and somebody used um, crying on a suitcase, and I said, "Hang on, let me, let me go download this because I haven't heard this song in a while." And then. It led me to all this and it led me to getting you on here. So let's don't call it a night. What was the meaning behind this song exactly? Where did it come from? Wrote this song uh, early another on. Another question I bet you've gotten thousands of times as well. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, it's, it's all part of, it's all part of. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> but um, I, uh, I wrote this song early on when I, I moved to Nashville right after Idol because I signed the deal with Sony and I signed the deal with them because I just felt like they would, they would really kind of foster what it is that I did. And it kind of got away from me a little bit. And I think I could have done a little better in the situation to be really honest with you, but um when I came into town, I was writing a lot and I was writing some stuff that I really love. And matter of fact, I wrote a couple of songs that, that even I released on my, my self releases, uh, the last two records I wrote right when I moved to town. And uh, this is one of the songs that I wrote early on that actually made the record. Uh, I wrote it with two guys who have become lifelong friends and, uh, I talk to them on the regular, a guy named uh, Bryce Long and another guy named Terry McBride. And Terry was uh, was in McBride on the ride. McBride on the ride, yeah. And he, uh, he has had, well, both of those guys have just had a ton of hits. And they're just great, great dudes. And I couldn't, couldn't be more thankful to know them. I couldn't be more proud of the fact that they've had such success. But we wrote this song and it was just one of those deals where they got the bluesy side of me. And if you've listened to this, it's really kind of a, it's a blues groove. It's it's got the, it's got a very bluesy feel to it. And that's kind of what we based the, the idea of the thing on. And we wanted to do something that was, let's have a good time. Let's, we don't want this night to end. That was the way we kind of started the idea. It was like, man, it just feels good. I don't want it to end. And we started just kind of vibing off each other. And uh, and I it, it was a struggle because I was just very, 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 very uh, strongly against singing about, and kind of still am to a degree about, you know, drinking or smoking or any of that, mainly because I don't want to ever be a stumbling block for somebody else. That's, that's really what it okay. boils down to. Um, now I've, I'm growing out of feeling that way as much. And I'll tell you why is, is because art shouldn't be, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't hide art from, we shouldn't separate art and reality as far as I can see. And because you know, negativity and whatever it is, if it's a part of life, then it should be a part of art. 
And I think people should recognize and understand that that art isn't something that, you know, it, it's, it's meant to be representative of feelings and, and life and, and the earth and the world and, and people and, and just creation and all, all things can be encompassed in art. And if we begin to, I don't know what you want to call it, like shield ourselves or, or, or remove certain items from art because of how we feel that it might affect somebody, mm. where does that line stop? And, and I'm still, I'll be honest and saying I haven't figured it out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually right now and I've, cause I've never done it because I've never even, I don't think I've ever maybe like once or twice in my whole life did I let a cuss word slip on stage, but I don't drink on stage or, or, you know, I try to represent what it is that I like, you know, other people to be in the world. Right. Like respectful folks, right. Positivity. Would I want my children doing this? Am I going to do that, you know, on stage? So right now, like literally right now, I've got a song that I wrote with my buddy who's in the band and it's got a cuss word in it. And I'm like, well, do I change the word? Do I say it? Because it actually fits the moment of the song. It's what like word? this guy who's, who's fed up. Uh, S-H-I-T, I won't say it. I got kids. Okay. okay. Um, so... It, it, it's like this guy, he's fed up with where he's at. He wants to leave. And he says, tell, tell my boss I quit or tell mom goodbye. Tell my boss I quit because I'm packing my right now. And I'm like, it, for, the, for the feeling of the song, like it, artistically, it should be that. And I, I'm like struggling with my, my, conscious, my conscience and I'm trying to figure out where that line is for me personally. And I, I'll be honest in saying I haven't quite figured it out, but I do know that I don't, you know, uh, I just, I just don't like editing art is what it boils down to. It's like, it should okay. just be accepted for what it is. Yeah. Because that was, that was going to be my suggestion, which I, I can't tell somebody to write a song. I don't know. I, 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 I love music. I just, I'm not going to tell you how to write, but I was going to say like, you know, like, um, for example, like Boys Around Here for Blake Shelton, when he had the S-H-I-T in it, but he changed it to lip. And then once you said it was pack my blank, I was like, well, you can't really pack my lip. I mean, you, I mean, you could, <laughs> but it wouldn't make sense. You can say packing my things, packing my stuff. Right. Packing my crap, packing my right. bags. But right. it doesn't, you but can it say doesn't, it. But it doesn't hit as, as it doesn't hit. That's I, right. It's like in real life, if I was this guy and I, and I, he doesn't have kids, you know, it's, yep. it's like this young dude and he's fed up and he's ready to go. He would certainly say it. And it's like, for the sake of the song, for the sake of the art and the music, it really should be that. But then I have to go, well, but it's just like, again, this is my own personal journey, but if, if I'm at a show and somebody says a cuss word, like if my kids are there, I'm going, you know what? That's called life. Yeah. People do say things and we can't, we can't be so uptight and so unforgiving and so judgmental because we, we don't do it. Like that, it's, that's it's crazy I, because, and, and that makes sense because, and I'm not trying to cut you off, uh, but Dat Shepard, you know, I listened to him all the time and he, he was sober for like 15 years. And then they were, they were, he got a question. He was like, 
when Christian Bell smokes weed in front of you, what do you do? And he's like, that's like telling the person next to me not to curse. He's like, if, if I don't do it, I can't tell them what not to do. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, understand where you're coming from 100%. I, like, I, if, it, if it happened and I was out and about with my children, you know, if they were to be like, Daddy, what's that word? And I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's called a cuss word. We don't say that. And, you know, it's used, uh, people sometimes say them because they, they have something to say and they need to say it in a certain way, but we don't do that, right? And then, of course, as they grow older, uh, most likely they're going to utilize whatever words they need to at whatever time. And that's for them to decide at that point. But, you know, I think, uh, like I said, it's just going to be, it always has been a thing for me, but getting back to the point, I was writing that song and it was, it was actually very difficult because it's like, man, if you're trying to write a song in the current modern age about going out and having a good time, but you don't mention drinking or smoking or promiscuity or, you know, I don't know if that, I said that word correctly, but the point is it was a, it was not an easy song to write because it's like, you want it to feel good. You want it to be up tempo and happy and positive and get, convey the right feelings, but you can't utilize any of the normal go-tos. But we, we ended up writing that song in about an hour and, uh, and I've always loved it. It's a, it's always hold, holds a, it's always held a special place in my heart because I wrote it with two guys that I ended up being really wonderful friends with. So, um, and it we ended up doing pretty decent on uh, on mainstream country radio. I mean, it played like a number one hit in certain in certain markets. And and I remember the first time I was in uh, California, I was at the Folsom Community Center in California, and the entire crowd. I mean, literally like two thousand people were singing that song at the top of their lungs. And I don't know if they just knew. Mm. I don't know how it happened, but it was the first time that anybody had ever done that. And they didn't just like kind of ho-hum the words. They were like singing it. And I just... Belting it out, yeah. They were belting it out and it was beautiful. And I remember just being overwhelmed to the point where I like, I'm pretty sure I had tears in my eyes. And and (laughs) at that moment, wow. A song that I wrote, you know, a thousand miles away is being sang by 2000 people that I've never met in my life. And it was just a very overwhelming, beautiful moment for my life. And and something that I don't think I'll ever forget. That's for sure. All right, Casey, I want to do this. I want, I I was searching Casey James on the internet. I want to know this comes from Nashville noise. And I want to know they took 10 best Casey James songs from 10 to one I want you to think about a concert where people are belting out these these songs and you tell me where do you think they land on the charts? All right. All so right. The, the first song, let's let's just go, let's get it out of the way. Let's don't call it a night. Where do you think that lands from 10 to 1? According to Nashville North. Oh, uh, well, see, I don't know. I, I mean, according to anybody else, I have no idea. So I'll have to give you what I what I would rate it at. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. This- right. Yeah, for the songs that, that, I mean, for me, and, and if I were to go out, I would say that's definitely in the top five. Okay. You know, probably three or four. Okay. Um, where did they? I'm going to tell you that in a second. I'm okay. going to go down. I, I, just okay. want to, 
I, I, I want you to, uh, um, let's do crying on a suitcase. Where do you think that lands? Uh, man, that was a big one. So I'd probably say one or two. Okay. Strip it all down. Six. Okay. We're gonna do one more and then I'll read you the list. Okay. Miss your miss your fire. Oh wow, I'm shocked that even made the list. I love that song though. Um we'll say number 10. Songs that I feel should be on there, I'll tell you my list. Okay. If, if I was gonna give if I were to give anybody 10 songs to listen to, I would have to say, let me see. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know by now, which is the title track from my last record. Okay. Um, currently, I would have to tell them something from the new record by Texas Hill, which hasn't hit yet. But I would say "Up One Side" is a new song that I'm that's on the record. Now, that's I can guarantee you, if somebody were want to hear it, they can Google it or like uh, search it online and go see it on youtube or whatever but up one side if you don't know by now um stupid crazy that's from strip it all down the record or strip it down um uh different kind of love from that record um hard times heartaches and scars that probably would be number one if, you act, if I was actually letting people hear because it's okay. kind of the story of my life. Um, from the Sony stuff that was, there's a song, a couple of songs from the unreleased record that you can find out there live. Uh, when We Get Together, I believe, is, a, is, is one of the songs that I loved so much on that unreleased thing. And off the first record, Crying on a Suitcase, Let's Don't Call It a Night, and um, probably uh, maybe a couple of songs that I've never released. Okay. One being a song called Feel. And, uh, oh, Come On Saturday Night. That's a new one off, uh, off uh, If You Don't Know By Now. That'd be my top 10 for people to listen to, I think, off the top of my head, just songs that might give them a decent idea of who I am and what I'm about. Well, so let's hear where, let's hear where we landed. Let's see how far off I was. You were a lot off because only like three made the list of what you put, <laughs> but there, really? but you got to think about if you've put out music for a long time, there's going to be a lot of different feels. So apparently yeah, exactly. they took, let me actually read the article, see how they, if you, if you give me just a second, figure out how they yeah. figured this out. So what they did was, um, it says Casey James came into our hearts and playlists when he plays third American Idol. Uh, he blends country with yada yada. It says for now we're celebrating his music catalog with James's biggest fans who ranked their favorites on Twitter and via email. So I'm guessing they just told a lot of people, Hey, send in your songs. We're going to calculate the total. So I'm going to go 10 to one. So 10 is so high. That's a good one. Number but that's nine. a cover. Right, right. So a couple of these are covers, which I don't okay. know. I, I don't know if that's fair. If you can put, I, 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 
because number eight, uh, number seven is a cover as well. So number nine is Miss Your Fire. Number eight, The Good Life. I do love that one. A seven is Stings, A Woman's Touch. Uh, so uh, like I said, I don't know if that's, that's a song that was, that's a, I do love that song. It, it is absolutely a great representation of who I am and what I do. It's, it never made it out. I have an unreleased version of that uh, from the, the, the record that, that Sony didn't release right before I left. And it's killer. That's a great song. That's There's a, great a lot song. of good versions of that on YouTube as well. Toby Keith uh, did a cover of that a long time ago. Probably, probably back in late 90s, early 2000s with Sting featured on the song. I bet it was a different tune. Uh, no, surprisingly, all it really had, it just added maybe like a little tweak of a twang. Like it was not what you would expect from Toby Keith. It was surprisingly. Oh, yeah. Well, but now that I'm saying it's probably a different song because this song was written after that. Okay. It's a, so It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a whole different tune. Let's see. The, this list is really shocking, Casey. And I, I number six, they have crying on a suitcase. That's crazy to me, but okay. Uh, five, let's don't call it a night. Again, yep. shocking. So these I last- mean, I did say top five on that, so I was good did, on that one. You did say top five. Light Years is at four. Another song that was on the other unreleased record, but I do love that one. Three's Drive. Oh, Drive. Yes, Drive should be in my top 10 without a doubt because I do love that song. Strip it all down at two. That's shocking. I'm, I'm glad to see that. I bet this list was made somewhere around rele the release of that record, which is why it ranked Pro so Probably. probably. Yeah. What do you think is the number one song? It's none that you picked, but I want you just one more chance. I want you to. I couldn't, I could not guess. Fall Apart is number one. Okay, so this was definitely done this around was, the time. This was single. May 31st, 2020. That's when the article says. No way. <laughs> yeah, really? let me share, yeah, I'll share my screen real quick and I'll show you. Let's see, um, how do I share this? That's That's interesting. I wonder if that was just refreshed at that point, like re rebooted up on their side or something, because I'm pretty sure I right. feel like- uh, Right here. Can you see that? I feel like that was out pretty quickly. I sure do. Huh. Crazy. Yeah, Fall <laughs> Apart, I don't even know. I guess it's out. It, it was available for, for purchase, but it was, a, it was the single, the lead single off of the Again, the unreleased record that I did with Sony, which was some really great stuff, very edgy, kind of harder, more rock and roll based, a lot more bluesy with some of it. Um, but Fall Apart was a was an outside cut that that I really never felt comfortable singing. It was very, very outside of my style. Um, I liked playing guitar on it, but it was very much a singer's song. And I don't consider myself that type of vocalist. It was a, a big, big, big vocal song and very tough to sing. But it's a good and, song because I, I, I never heard it. Song. And I listened to it and I was like, that's actually pretty good. Like, you know, it's you know, a wonderful song. Yeah. It's just not my style. I mean, I would probably never on my own, you know, if I was at Mac, I, I can say that definitively if I was making my own, which I am now. Um, 
you know, records. I, w I wouldn't have personally picked that song, but, you know, that's, again, when you're working with people and you get to, you know, and you're told you need to do this, that, and the other, there's only so much you can argue and, and, and fight against it. And not to say, again, not to take anything away from the, the, the amazingness of the song. And I'm proud of it and it's, it's there and it is what it is, but it's certainly not something that I ever felt super comfortable performing, but it's surprising to see that at the at the number one spot. I don't know that I've ever covered it really much outside of uh, the very first little while that I that I uh, the span of time where I was making that record and then directly after it, I played that song maybe a handful of times live, um, and it and it had a glim a glimmer just a moment you know on the radio. It was like everybody added it, and then kind of there were a lot of changes at Sony, and then that song fell through the cracks, and so. Uh, that was kind of the last I heard of it. So it's surprising to see that at number one, for sure. We got a few more minutes and there's a few more things that I want to cover if you're cool with that. So I want to talk real Absolutely. quick about my favorite Casey James song right here. He's crying on a suitcase Sitting at the airport Waiting on the You need a second? Uh, I can give you just a second. You need a second? No, no, we're good. So uh, <laughs> about, I don't know, a month ago, my littlest one got her hand pinched and it pinched a nail and she just, she just lost oh. the nail. So gotcha. They're but, freaking uh, out. They just lost the nail. <laughs> she's a super, she's a tank, man. She's a very, very tough little baby. So she probably fussing a little bit, but she's, I'm sure she's okay. Um, crying on a suitcase. I was watching the video before we did this. You actually did some acting in the video. So was that kind of tough to do? Or was it kind of natural? It was fun. It was really fun. I enjoyed it. I, I really, really want to do more of it. Um, the thing is, is that and anybody who's in the industry, I mean, I can't imagine anyone ever seeing this uh, getting getting to this point if they weren't already a huge fan of mine, but I will say to anybody that's in the, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I got you. <laughs> I can't imagine some random industry actor seeing this portion of the show, but let's say that they did. I would say it takes so much more time and effort than I was, than I'm willing to give and have at the moment to really be good at doing it. I certainly enjoyed it. I felt like it was natural. I felt like it was, uh, was fun and, and, but I know nothing. I've done a few things. Like I've done, a, I did a pilot. Um, I really loved doing that. And, uh, but you know, um, short of it being something where I could just kind of just act natural. Like I'm not a, I'm not an actor. That's, that's what it boils down to. I think anybody that can memorize lines and be natural has the ability to do the, to do the job on a very low level which would be where I would classify myself. Um, I think I could do it if I had, you know, if somebody put something in front of me. Um, but uh, 
for that video, you know, it was pretty minimal. And I think I could have done, I could have done better looking back now, but I, I feel like at the time I gave it, uh, I gave it a good freshman effort and I felt like it come across. But it's well. also, it's also a music video and it's not a yeah. freaking TV show, but no, I, there's exactly. no way I could do it. I'd just be sitting there like this top three American Idol season nine. There's no way I could read lines and just be normal. No way. Oh, uh, well, it's just practice makes perfect, man. I, I guarantee you could do it. And, you know, when I first started, you know, really all you're trying to do, most of the time, it's kind of like just fake it till you make it type of, yeah. you know, just <laughs> yeah. go through and try to be natural and feel, feel, uh, be in the moment and, uh, and all that stuff. And I did, I took some acting classes just to try and make sure that I didn't make a fool out of myself. Cause they had asked me, said, are you comfortable doing that? I said, sure. I'm just that type. I just don't really say no to anything. Like somebody, if I've got something to do here at the house and you know, I just do it myself. People are like, well, can you do that? I'm like, I mean, not to sound arrogant, but if somebody else can do it. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just a matter of how hard are you willing to work? Are you going to, take the time to really learn it and be good at it um, or can you get through it? And that was kind of a mixture of all of those things. You know, I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. It was fun. And I feel like at the end of the day that the product, you know, it was, it was fine. I think people enjoyed it. And that was the whole point and it, it served the song. So I let, I, I, I let it go at that. Once I saw it once I was like, yeah, okay. That's okay. Take me back to 2004 real quick. When you broke your femur, I bet that was god awful. It was uh, it was not enjoyable. I broke I broke this arm here, which you might be able to see actually. Um, see oh wow, I do see that. it. I saw it when you yeah, I see it. Oh there you go. Um, but that's not the bad thing. The bad thing is the stuff over here. Oh man, which you probably can barely see if if at all. But that's I see, all. Metal. I see a little bit, yeah. But. Uh, the arm stuff sucked. The leg stuff sucked way worse. Uh, you know, the new knee and the rod through the femur and all that stuff. And it just took, it just took forever because it was like a, a what they call us just a spiral fracture where just, there was like a million pieces. And the doctor was like, look, man, we'll just, we're going to stick a rod through like the remaining portion of your bone. that's still there. And we're going to form up, push together all the rest of the pieces. We're going to just let it be. And it's going to take a long time. It took me years, years to walk. Um, uh, because it was just nonstop. And then, and then my, you know, my, my leg would spasm and it would, you know, it would push those bones. I'm going to say break the leg again, but it would just keep things from healing upright. And uh, how bad is the arthritis now? You know, thankfully, I'm not, I don't deal with a, 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 any kind of amount of pain that keeps me from doing things. Okay. Uh, and I think everybody just, everyone that's alive is going to deal with some sort of pain on some level every day. And so, you know, right. that's my pain. This arm, that leg, and you just, you know, you roll with the flow. It is what it is. Last question I want to ask like my, uh, it sounds like my kids are falling apart, so I'm going to have to go do some fathering. Man, it has been an absolute pleasure. Do you have anything, uh, any last questions you want to get out before I run? Um, no, actually, I think I'm good. Um, but real quick, go ahead and give a rundown of all your social medias and stuff like that. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, so for my stuff, you can find me. I think it's caseyjamesofficial.com. That's the website, um, which will have all you know links to click to things. But I'm Casey James Official on Instagram, Casey James Official on Facebook. And then I think I'm just Casey James on Twitter. But it's all links together, you know, the modern age of click one thing, it'll take you to everything, type five. Um, uh, the Texas Hill stuff is texashillofficial.com, which again will lead you to all Texas things, uh, Texas Hill official, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I think we're even talking about getting the new TikTok stuff. So um, we will, uh, and it's all, again, you go to one, you'll find everything. So it's out there for everybody. The music's out there, the, the websites and the, the socials. Um, if somebody searches me, it'll pop right up. Casey, brother, I appreciate you taking your time out to do this. It really means a lot to me, dude. Hey, uh, right back at you, my friend. Good talking with you, and uh, we'll have to do it again. When something else new pops up, keep me in the rotation. We'll do it again. Absolutely, dude. You have a good one. All right, brother. Peace. Peace.